Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Hello, welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast, episode 28, and we're back to a speech breakdown. We regularly get told that speech breakdowns are some of people's favourite episodes Mm. because they get to listen to an interesting speech and learn at the same time. Yeah, hear some analysis. So what we're going to do, as always, is we're going to play a talk that we have here. We're going to pause whenever we see something that we really like that is happening or something that we feel we can all learn from. Because the best way to become a better speaker is watch other speakers, learn what works well and what you could incorporate into your speaking and let other people make the mistakes that hopefully you avoid in the future. So I was looking through some various motivational speakers for something a little bit different and I've settled on this one for today. I'm not entirely sure what year it came out. I have tried to find out. The best I can guess is that it looks like it's from the 90s. Yeah, I've not watched it, but just looking at the set, it looks really 90s. (laughs) Yeah, this is a Zig Ziglar talk called Attitude Makes All the Difference. Let's press play. A number of years ago, Larry Majors, my executive assistant, got a phone call from a lady in Birmingham, Alabama. At the end of the conversation, she said, Zig, she said, I believe this woman thinks she's got an impossible problem, but I believe you can solve that problem her with her in just a few minutes if you will spend that time with her. I said, well, Laurie, tell her to meet me backstage. I'll get there about 10 minutes early. My schedule was such that it was about all I had. Whoa, okay. What an opening. There's a lot to unpack there in 30 seconds. Okay, let's go with the positive to start. He's opened with a story. Yes, he's opened in a time. What do you say, 11 years ago? Mm-hmm. He's opened with action. His assistant gets a phone call. And then that becomes a problem. So we set up the big question that's going to be answered in this story. And we set up then a place where he's going to deal with it. In 30 seconds, that is a huge amount of context that he has put in beautifully. Mm. All right, a couple of issues that I see straight off the bat. Like I said, I haven't actually watched this, but his voice is not clear. That could also be... It could be the recording. could be a 90s recording for you, but I know what you mean. I don't think his voice is particularly clear. It sounds like there's maybe some phlegm there. It just makes it a little bit difficult to listen to. And he speaks really, really quickly. Yeah. I have noticed a lot of motivational speakers speak very quickly. It's sort of that... I have a fire hose and you have a thimble attitude, which is very rapid fire, a lot of information. To be honest, I don't know Zig Ziglar's work particularly well. To the best of my knowledge, was a motivational speaker in sort of sales and mindset. Uh, That was sort of his domain. Then that's exactly what he's doing here. This is some sort of motivational speech to what looks like relatively small audience. Maybe 50 people in his audience, it looks like. Mm. Certainly a lot going on in this first 30 seconds, but with that setting up a problem of a woman having a unique problem that he now has to solve, and I'm interested to see what happens in the rest of this story and this talk now. Schedule was such that was about all I had. Well, I got there, and I was on uh, backstage behind the curtain on one side. She spotted me from the other side, and as she walked across the stage, I had never seen as much anger in a human being in my life as I saw in her. She almost started crying when she saw me. She said, oh, I'm just so glad to see you. I got this horrible job. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I hate everybody down there. I mean, uh, you're talking about negative nails. She was it. She said, can you help me? Now, understand I've only got about 10 minutes. So I looked at her, and uh, one thing I have learned, I don't do counseling 
but I talk with a lot of people who do in psychology, psychiatry, and the ministry. And they tell me that everybody who comes to you with a problem are not necessarily looking for a solution. I wonder if a bit of the lack of clarity in the voice is his accent. I'm not sure which party in the United States that's from. No, that's not an accent. There's, that's yeah. something in his voice that's unclear. Another beautiful thing that he's just done here is he has raised the stakes of the story, which is this big problem, and he's only got 10 minutes to do it in. So creating more interest in the story and raising the stakes to continue driving the story along. It makes me feel a little bit like, oh, there's something really quick. Uh He's probably going to provide an answer, and it's something that's really quick, and maybe my problems will be solved in two or three minutes Mm. or 10 minutes or whatever. What I dislike here is, now I'm not a psychiatrist, but I talk to people who are. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. To me, it's a little bit like a man who's like, well, I'm not a woman personally, but I know a lot of women, so therefore I understand what women. Some of my best friends are, insert. Minority. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost almost busting credibility. Yeah, to me it's off-putting, but maybe this is a 90s thing (laughs) that that was like used to be okay. I don't remember the 90s that well are not necessarily looking for a solution. I couldn't understand that for a long time. Why do they bring you a problem if they don't want to solve it? Well, I can tell you why. They want to tell you about it, you about it, you about it, you about it, and you about it. And if you foul up the deal and solve the problem, they can't tell you again, you again. They want the attention that goes with the problem. And every company just about it has that kind of an individual. They want the attention that goes with griping and, uh, and complaining. I think I've met this person, which I think anybody listening to this presentation probably does know this person. I think that's the point. It's very relatable. The attention that goes with griping and uh, and complaining. Well, I looked at the lady, and it wasn't unkindly, but firmly I said to her, yes, and you know, ma'am, I'm afraid your problem is about to get worse. She said, what do you mean? I said, I believe they're going to fire you. She was stunned. I couldn't have stunned her more if I'd hit her in the face with a bucket of ice water. She said, fire me? Why on earth would they fire me? Inflection in her voice clearly said, they're the bad guys. I'm the good guy. Why don't they fire them and keep me? Have you ever noticed that people who are the problem never recognize that they are? They're in complete denial. They think denial is just a river in Egypt. Why would they fire me? I said, ma'am, I don't believe there's a company in America big enough to contain this much poison in one small spot. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that when somebody is about to lose something they've been complaining about, whether it's a car, a home, a mate, a job, or whatever, when all of a sudden it appears they're going to lose them, it takes on brand new value. She looked at me and said, well, what can I do? Something interesting just happened there, which was we had quite a rapid opening, the first sort of two minutes here, and this, just now, he's slowed down and quietened down when he had that list about when people are going to lose something. He got so much more calm and controlled in that moment, and again, this is probably a highly rehearsed presentation that's expected, and after that laugh, the audience were listening, because the height of listening happens at the end of a laugh. Mm. He had a serious point, he slowed down, quietened down, and the audience leaned in to listen. Yeah, at first I thought he was just talking. It looked very natural. It almost looked overdone and pantomime-y. Okay. And it looked quite erratic almost. And then he pulled back that control and I just went, ooh, this is really controlled and rehearsed and refined. 
I really liked that contrast, actually. She looked at me and said, well, what can I do? I said, do you really want to know? She said, yes, I do. That's the reason I came to see you. I came looking for help, but you sure haven't been any help so far. <laughs> I said, well, ma'am, I've got an idea, and I will absolutely guarantee you it positively, definitely, absolutely will work if you will just do it. She said, I'll try anything within reason. I said, okay, when you get home tonight, all of your household tasks are complete. It's bedtime. Get off in a room right by yourself. Get a sheet of paper out, and at the top of it, write, I like my job because she interrupted me. She said, that'll be easy. I don't like nothing about that job. Don't like nothing about those people down there. And I said, well, just as a matter of curiosity, do you work there for benevolent reasons, or do they pay you for working there? She said, well, I got to confess, they pay me. And I said, and you don't like to be paid. Oh, she said, yes, I do. I said, okay, tell you what you do. Open your notebook right now. We'll start our list of the things you like about your job. They pay you for working there, and you do like it, don't you? She said, absolutely. But she just stood there. I said, no, open your notebook now, and we'll get uh, busy on the list. She just stood there. I said, ma'am, let me, let me tell you what my experience in life has been. I've discovered that in 100% of the cases, no exceptions, people who won't take step number one never take step number two. You see, she had come to me with an impossible dream. Her dream was that nice Mr. Ziegler was going to solve all of her problems, and she would live happily ever after. But folks, I got news for you. I can't solve her problems. I can't solve your problems. But I will give you some steps that I absolutely, definitely, and positively will work for you, as it worked eventually for her. That is an excellent story to embed a lesson into. Yeah, that is a masterclass in how to do that. Mm, I think a bit of this hurts because I identify myself occasionally in, in that. I think we've probably all been in the situation of maybe wanting someone else to solve our problems and not wanting to take that first step. So that really hits a pain point for me. And I imagine if it does for me, it probably does for a lot of people. That is exactly the genius that we are seeing here, which is you take a story and you frame your entire lesson within that story. We're now halfway through the talk and we've heard basically that narrative and it's been dialogue between him and the woman, mostly, saying things like take the first step, write down what you're grateful for, those things. Now, he could have come out and said that in 60, 90 seconds and it doesn't land. So that's why we use stories, because it adds context, right? Mm. And stories do need a message. So we've gotten to the end of that story, or he may come back to it, I'm not sure, and he's pulled out that message. These are the things I said to this woman, whether she is fictional or this was a real event, but a beautiful masterclass in how to use a story to embed a lesson. I think I have it. I think I have it. I think he set it up so negatively. Like no one wants to be that person. Mm. But maybe you're thinking like, oh, no, maybe I am that person. So you know what? I'm going to listen to what he says and I'm going to do step number one. It feels very intentional there that he set this up of like you've got to do this next step now. And everyone's probably feeling how I'm feeling right now, which is, oh, yeah, I'll do this next step. Like I'm not going to be the person who refuses to take step one. I'm not going to be the negative nearly. Yeah. And more importantly... Memorable, like writing down things you're grateful for, take the first step and then the second. Not as memorable as the nice man on stage. Like you may not remember him and exactly what he said, but he talked about the woman who had this unique problem. It was like, I just hate everybody and then had to write down the things I was grateful for. Like the story is memorable. Mm, Very cleverly done. Really emotive. 
Not a psychologist, but he's using a lot of psychology of speaking right here. Mm. All right, keep going. I need to know the steps. I'm going to take the step one. <laughs> Get your notepad out. Yeah. As it worked eventually for her. I said, well, ma'am, let me tell you something. Unless you're willing to take step number one right now, it's been nice talking with you. She angrily opened her notebook. Before we got through, there were 22 things she liked about her job. Not only did they pay her for working there, they paid her above average. She had three weeks vacation with pay. She had a retirement program. She was in on profit sharing. She had health insurance, life insurance, and accident insurance. She lived less than 10 minutes from home. She was in on management decisions. The company sent her to three seminars a year to be paid for. She had her own private office and parking place. 22 things that she liked about her job. Nice use of listing right there, which is... 22 things. I don't know how many listed, 10 or 11, doesn't matter. Rattled through them all kind of quick just to demonstrate in this situation where you hate your job and everyone there, there are all these things that you can be grateful for. It's not hugely important what those things were. We just needed to rattle through them and demonstrate that as examples, these things exist. Mm, see, that annoyed me. I'm like, all right, I get it. She likes her job. Give me the list. And maybe that's the point. It's so you, setting up that discomfort. Just yeah. give me the next thing. Just give me the answer. Just get you leaning forward that just tell me already. Yeah. So on that, do you think that could have worked if the list was three or five things long? I honestly don't know. I think that's not a black and white answer there. It would probably take some experimenting and at a guess, just knowing who Zig Ziglar is, he's one of the greats. He's probably tried a hundred different <laughs> types. Yeah. And if he is going for discomfort, as you picked uh, up on, then make it uncomfortable for people so that you have that yeah. contrast of emotion. But right now I'm just kind of thinking, shut up and tell me the answer. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's making people want to listen. 22 things that she liked about her job. Now I said, man, when you get home tonight, everything is finished. Get off in a room right by yourself, close the doors, change one word from I like my job to I love my job. Get in front of that mirror. And folks, I cannot say this strongly enough, but I'm going to try. The eyes are the windows of the soul. Look yourself in the eye and with excitement and enthusiasm say, I love my job because they pay me for working there. I love my job because they pay me above average for working there. I love my job because I have a wonderful insurance program. I love my job before every one of the statements. You will sleep better that night. You see, there's something hidden in what I'm saying to you now. When she says, I like my job, she's really saying, I'm grateful for my job. And of all of the emotions we can have, according to Hans Selye, the number one stress specialist in America, the healthiest of all human emotions is gratitude. I said, you go down that list. I like my job. I love my job, rather. That is a way of gratitude. You'll sleep better the first night. Uh, he made a mistake there. Did you pick it up? He said, go home and say, I like my job. I love my job, rather. He picked yeah. it up as he said it. He just... Made the quick correction, carried on, didn't make any fuss about that. He didn't even acknowledge it, just kept it going. Yeah. You'll sleep better the first night. Tomorrow morning, when you get up, get back in front of the mirror just before you go to work, get back in front of the mirror and repeat the process again with excitement and enthusiasm. I love my job because, and take the list with you. Because the reality is, you see, you will have started to change from a fault finder to a good finder. 
Some people do really find fault like there's a reward for it. They really do. <laughs> Take the list with you, and you will be able to add to that list absolutely guaranteed. Do this every morning and every night, and you will have an astonishing recovery from this advanced case of stinking thinking. Was he the original gratitude guy? He's talking about this like it's a brand new concept, whereas we kind of hear that all the time nowadays. I think he might have been the original. I was just thinking that, and that's literally why I've paused, is we're kind of here cringing at some of the cliches that are coming up. I think there are any cliches since he's Yes, done if, them. if he's the original or one of the early people to talk about these things, then this is new. This is interesting, right? But we're now advanced on nearly 30 years from this. Mm. And, you know, maybe every man and his dog has repeated what the smart man said back in the 90s. Or oh, we're going to mm. use that and put our own spin on it. And we've heard it and it's been killed and it's become cliche. And so we watch Paul Zig Ziglar in retrospect and just go, ugh, when really we need to understand the context that this is in. Mm, he was quite innovative and this was all new. Interesting perspective. From this advanced case of stinking thinking. Now, I didn't say that to her, but I'm saying it to you. That's what it was. It was an advanced case of stinking thinking. Well, six weeks later, I was back in Birmingham, Alabama. I was doing a follow-up sales seminar. Now, the lady was not in sales. And again, we're still within that story. We've come back to the negative woman backstage. So the yeah. story is sort of carrying all the way through, even though we've sort of... It's that through line of what he's talking about. Yeah, it's sort of that common thread all the way through, even though we sort of pause just to pull out um, that lesson about the, the gratitude. Now, the lady was not in sales, but she had been listening to my tapes. She had been listening to Automobile University... And she had discovered that everybody sells. Everybody who will ever hear this is in selling. Whether you're a school teacher, a civil service worker, a military personnel, an executive secretary, it doesn't make any difference. What you do, you sell every day of your life. There she was on the, at the sales seminar, seated on the front row, grinning so wide she could have eaten a banana sideways. I'm telling you, you're talking about somebody that was excited. She was turned on. I said, well, how you done? She grinned even more broadly and said, Mr. Ziegler, I'm doing wonderfully well, and thank you for asking. She said, you cannot believe how much those people down there have changed. <laughs> I got a lid on the line, folks. You're not going to change anybody else till you change you. Everything really does begin with you. So at the start of this talk, we set up that big problem. This was a person with a unique problem. She had the stinking thinking. She was properly uh, negative. That was the big question. That was the stakes. That was what this whole story was trying to answer. And just now, it's coming to that conclusion, which is we've seen the turnaround from the advice that Zig Ziglar gave her around gratitude, and now she's happy as... We've talked before in storytelling about the most effective stories are the ones with a transition. Yes. There's a contrast. So here we're seeing that contrast between the, what do you call it, stinking thinking, <laughs> yeah. versus now when she could, what do you say, eat a banana sideways? Because <laughs> her smile was so large. Like it, He's really trying to emphasise that contrast, yes. which makes it more and more effective. We see that with the big speech greats, that I have a dream. The effectiveness of that came from the contrast. Yeah, you try and make now look as awful as possible. And then you make the the future. The dream. You make it look as good as possible. And then you've got this bridge in the middle, which was he, he talked about, those um, that practice of gratitude. 
And then just now, just where we've paused, you'll notice that he changed his tone, went quiet and serious that little bit, which makes me think that we are about to hear the conclusion, which will be pulling the big message out of this mm. whole presentation, the story. Yep, that story's kind of done. And now here's the learning. Everything really does begin with you. Now, you see, the unfortunate thing, this lady had been raised in a very negative environment. First, her parents had told her that she'd never amount to anything. They had said, you know, you're always late, you're always sloppy. Why can't you be like your brother or your sister or whatever? When she got married, her husband had continued it. And so her self-talk had become completely negative. Everything that she said about herself was negative. I, you know, like Dad said, I'll never amount to anything. Or like my husband says, I can't do anything right. But when she started changing the input, then some radical changes took place. All right, so that was just an excerpt of a bit longer talk. Okay. Yeah, ended a little bit abruptly, but I think it still concludes nicely. Yeah, certainly a standalone bit from that talk. Well, it's good. Mm. Message physicality. Well, I was all set up to confidently answer the message question, what's a single message? And then in the last 30 seconds, it changed. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, the message I still got from there was, you're not going to change anybody else. You'll only change yourself. And the process through which that was done was to change your thinking, to be, to show gratitude towards the things that are good in the situation that you may hate. I don't know that the end of that fit, but I don't know that it destroyed the message as well that, you know, she had this awful background. I think that was just sort of maybe a bit of a attack on, a bolt on that maybe just wasn't needed. Yeah, that was my original answer was that exactly as the title says, attitude makes all the difference. Gratitude can make a huge difference in your life. And then at the very end, he talked about this woman's background. And I thought, oh, okay, the message is that it doesn't matter what your background is, you can change your thinking or or something. I don't know. It just it, mm, ah, muddied the water a little bit. It really muddied it just that last 30 seconds. Which is a shame because it was really strong and clear. I could certainly see from just these nine and a half minutes why Zig Ziglar was one of the greats. That is a beautifully put together presentation. It's been carefully considered and crafted and rehearsed. It's and very powerful. Mm. And like we said, beautiful incorporation of storytelling. Mm. It really carried the through line of that whole presentation. Physicality. Should we talk about what we saw? Kate? Yeah. I think the obvious thing is this was the 90s. There was no PowerPoint for me to dissect. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say pantomime. He was really yeah. overdone. And maybe this is using a very broad brush, as I want to do sometimes. <laughs> I want to say it was American. Okay. It was overdone. It was larger than life. There was nothing understated. He was just... Everything was acted out and almost unnatural. There was just a lot of body language going on. Mm. I'm not saying that it's bad at all. Just larger than life. Here in Australia, you do hear sometimes mentioned that quote-unquote American style of speaking, which is over the top, and I think you, you do see that. You do see that in some speakers, not necessarily just from the United States, but it's a bit of a style. I don't know that this talk that Zig Ziglar was particularly that style. I could see there was some overacting, but I actually didn't hate his physicality at all. He did you moved... think he was quite genuine? Genuine, yes, but acted out as well. Like, I think... There was some good movement. He moved around the stage when he was being, when he had those more energetic moments, he'd move around the stage a little bit. When he slowed down and made those more definite, pertinent points, he stood in one place, very nearly stage centre from what that camera angle showed. So I can see that it was a little bit 
little bit overacted, but I wouldn't say that it was hugely overdone for me. Mm. I think what I don't like about it, I think I found it slightly off-putting. It felt maybe preachy to me. Okay. And maybe, again, just a sign of the times. Yeah. Like kind of this was the original and it was kind of all great and new at the time. And since then, maybe there's been some people who have kind of ruined this style a little bit. Over preachy, salesy. That would be my persuasion is like... I, I give this talk a thumbs up. I really liked it, considering the best context I can put it in for assuming that this was early on in this style yeah. and this message and these methods. I actually think it's a really good talk. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Looking at it in the context that it was probably 20 to 30 years ago, things have changed in that sort of space. Yep. But I think now in late 2019 and beyond, there is a lot that we can look at Zig Ziglar and learn from. A lot of what he did here was brilliant. It's just those couple of things I think we're slightly niggled by, you know, 20 to 30 years in retrospect. Yeah. Um, as always, we've put the link to this talk down in the show notes. Please do go have a watch of it. And probably some of his other talks, I imagine, are equally as good. And if you have a suggestion for a talk that we could break down on this podcast and you think there's some learnings from, please do flick us a link. We do like a good suggestion. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. If you have a speech you'd like us to listen to and break down on the show, flick us the link at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts or take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information of this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week. Hello, welcome to the Presentation Boss podcast, episode 28. Today, we're all excited because we're doing another speech breakdown. It's that time of the cycle. It's that time of the cycle again. We're not going to use that phrase. All right, let's start that all again. Hello, welcome to the Presentation Boss podcast, episode 28.